As an artist, have you ever looked around and felt ancient, withered, and uncool? Well, this episode is for you, because we're about to find out how later in life Big Bangs can be the bravest and most creative Big Bangs of all. Listening to Pep Talks for Artists, a podcast offering small words of encouragement to all those shuffling along the artist's road. I'm your host, Amy Toledo. The Impressionist painter Bilt Morisot once sighed, quote, I am overcome by an insurmountable laziness. I feel sad. I feel alone, disillusioned, and old into the bargain. End quote. Dude, same. I read somewhere that it was common knowledge that the art world is particularly unfair to anyone over 40, and especially women. And then I thought about all the youth-obsessed big shows like the 30 Under 30s, the Younger Than Jesuses, the YBAs, and the MFA to Gallery Pipeline, and I felt so old. So... I set about to find out at what age artists really got going. Like, when did they really make their most daring and successful works? What I found out was that the art world's youth obsession is in direct conflict with the very artists we revere and lionize in museums. Because, drumroll, history shows us that, in general, artists began their most important and radical work in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And that these artists are not some kind of rare late bloomer, but that it is actually extremely common for the big bloom to happen late. So, if you're feeling old like Bert, don't worry, because I'm here to give you the straight dope. And yes, maybe Picasso and Mozart were early bloomers, but most artists need a little more time in the genius cooker. And I, for one, am here for it. Let's review the data. Alice Neal only developed into her mature, recognizable painting style by age 35. Piet Mondrian only started experimenting with abstraction at age 43. And the work we know him for, like the white background, red, yellow, blue-black geometric compositions, only surfaced in his work by age 49. 
Before that, he was painting naturalistic landscapes. And Agnes Martin began making her subtle abstract paintings based on hand-drawn grids around the age of 46. She was hardcore and destroyed all her earlier work. Faith Ringgold made her first quilt in her 50s. Before that, she was making masks and political posters. Philip Guston's first break from subtle abstraction to his new figurative cartoony style that we know him for today was with a painting titled In the Studio at age 56. In her 40s, Betty Woodman moved away from making functional tableware and started creating the colorful and whimsical ceramic sculptural objects and installations that she's famous for. Romer Bearden made his first collage when he was, hold on to your hats, age 54. And in his book, Old Masters and Young Geniuses, David Galenson tells us that Cezanne's best years for working were his mid-60s. He completed his famous bathers in 1905, when he was only 66 years young. And last but not least, no catalog of badass late bloomer artists would be complete without the artist Mark Rothko. Before his mid-40s, Mark Rothko was making these gorky Miro-like doodles and paintings of surrealist subway scenes populated by lanky figures. We don't even see that stuff today. But he had been steadfastly creating that kind of work for years before he switched his style and subject matter to the glowing, vibrating, abstract color blocks he is known for. In his 40th year, he even sent a manifesto, together with his friend Gottlieb, to the New York Times on June 7, 1943. And this letter illustrates how radical the midlife artist can be. I'd like to read it as a battle cry of sorts. It's also spoken aloud in a Latigre song. Check out Slideshow at Free University. Quote, To us, art is an adventure into an unknown world, which can be explored only by those willing to take the risks. This world of imagination is fancy-free and violently opposed to common sense. It is our function as artists to make the spectator see the world our way, not his way. We favor the simple expression of the complex thought. We are for the large shape because it has the impact of the unequivocal. We wish to reassert the picture plane. We are for flat forms because they destroy illusion and reveal truth. End quote. Whatever your thoughts on the black and white ideals of abstract expressionism, you have to admit sending an unsolicited manifesto to the New York Times about your artistic theories is kind of punk rock. Richard Karlgaard, in his book Late Bloomers, outlines many key strengths of those who hit their stride a bit later down the road, but still killed it. 
For me, three of these traits were the most resonant. One, a childlike curiosity. Two, resilience. And three, wisdom insight as one category. Under the first category, curiosity, he writes, quote, Do late bloomers have more curiosity than early bloomers? Research can't tell us, but observationally, late bloomers seem to retain more of their childhood curiosity, end quote. But he goes on to say that, quote, It doesn't help late bloomers in the early going, and as the early success conveyor belt picks up speed and primacy as a sorting mechanism, youthful curiosity becomes a liability in the eyes of school administrators and employers. We are urged to tamp our curiosity down to the practical essentials and get serious. Who is in a better position for success, fulfillment, happiness, and health? The conveyor belt's early blooming superstar who learned to suppress childhood curiosity in favor of focus? Or the late bloomer who retained more childhood curiosity and now finally has executive functioning to give it a direction? End quote. I don't know about you, but my bet's on the LB. And moving right along to Carl Gard's second category of note, resilience, he writes, quote, By necessity, we late bloomers are on a different, more challenging trajectory. As we travel through life, we encounter obstacles like the push for conformity, the oppression of groupthink, and the pains of self-doubt. But in all these challenges, we find our hidden treasure. We unearth our individuality. We see that a path to excellence, to reaching our true potential, is available to all of us. Within these challenges lies our true power, our covert talents and secret advantages as late bloomers. End quote. Per David Galenson, Georgia O'Keeffe's works that bring the highest market value today were made at age 48, and she believed an artist must mature slowly. Quote, Great artists don't just happen. They have to be trained and in the hard school of experience. End quote. Yes, Georgia, yes. And let's dig into the final and last category of the successful late bloomer in Karlgaard's book, Insight and Wisdom. Late bloomers make connections and recognize patterns more quickly than early bloomers. He mentions a passage in the book, The Wisdom Paradox, by Elkonin Goldberg, an NYU neuroscientist. Quote, Goldberg began to realize that as he aged, he was increasingly adept at a kind of mental magic. Something rather intriguing is happening in my mind that did not happen in the past, he wrote. Frequently, when I am faced with what would appear from the outside to be a challenging problem, the grinding mental computation is somehow circumvented, rendered, as if by magic, unnecessary. The solution comes effortlessly, seamlessly, and seemingly by itself. I seem to have gained in my capacity 
for instantaneous, almost unfairly easy insight. Is it perchance that coveted attribute? Wisdom? End quote. They say the Big Bang started out as a singularity, and that as the universe expanded, it formed black holes. These arose like enormous black suns at the center of every galaxy, and it is thought that one day they will absorb us all, until everything reduces again to a tiny singular speck. What if we midlife Big Bangs aren't like hot burning stars, but instead are like the churning engines at the center of every black hole? Dark anti-suns, complete with strange borders that bend time and space, capable of changing the very stuff of the universe within our dark matter spheres. Or are we wormholes connected to each other, black hole to black hole, sharing our radical ideas amongst each other, a closed loop of new thought. Thinking back on that first list of artists I read, I wonder if at times they felt old and dried up and like an infinitesimal point of energy. But then they ultimately decided, no, screw that. I'm more curious, resilient, and insightful than ever. And conditions seem perfect for me to explode outward in a radiant burst of crashing galaxies and stars. Let's remember this as a rallying cry when we hear of another hot young thing shooting across the sky. Because yes, the universe is bright with starlight. Eight million electron volts per cubic meter, in fact. But we black holes are too busy to notice because we're bending the fabric of time, trapping light rays, curving space around on ourselves, and basically just crushing it for eternity. You've been listening to Pep Talks for Artists. If you'd like to check out our Instagram, please find us at Pep Talks for Artists. We really appreciate you stopping by, and we'll see you next time.